Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Marvelous Mouse Talk. I'm your host, Marcella Zimmerman, and I'm joined today by Stacey Rollins. Hello. Jacqueline Brusillo. Hi. And Megan Vance Lowden. Hi, everyone. As always, this podcast is brought to you by MarvelousMouseTravels.com, where we're creating marvelous memories one family at a time. In today's episode, we will be answering some questions from our Facebook groups, as well as some frequently asked questions. Hi, ladies. How is everyone doing? Staying safe. How are you? (laughs) Right there with y'all. Still inside. (laughs) Good as we can be. Yes. Um, probably need an AA after all of this is done, but, um, <laughs> you won't be alone. Oh, yes, no. <laughs> hey, we still have a drive through alcohol. So that is all that matters in my world. Yesterday I had a pina colada, like I'll probably have a margarita later. So, um, yeah, as long as those laws stay around, I will be happy afterwards. You know what? It's quarantine survival. That's all it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. It is five o'clock somewhere for the last seven weeks. So, (laughs) (laughs) all day long, and there is no. We're basically in Vegas now. So what we're going to do in today's show is we're going to go through and kind of pull a few questions that were asked by some of our listeners. Um, Marvelous Mouse Travels does have several different groups on Facebook. I'm going to post a link to each one of those groups in our show notes so that you can go and pull them up and join. Um, There are some great questions asked. There's lots of resources and um, the groups are run by the agents that are part of Marvelous Mouse Travels. And oftentimes they're going to answer, you know, whatever question you throw out there. Our first one comes from Christine H. She said, looking for the best hotel, frontline access, a king bed, and two queen beds, Harry Potter experience, multi-park tickets, options, and possibly walking distance. Uncertain if that exists. Um, Christine, I'm actually going to say the closest one that you can get is Hard Rock. Hotel will be the, the closest, and for that you do get the Express Pass, the Unlimited Express Pass. Um, they do have the kids' rooms that will have the king bed and the two twin beds. And then, of course, like Harry Potter is part of Universal, and you get early access if you stay at this hotel, too. Do you all have any other options? Yeah. I think that um, a lot of people forget that there is an actual Harry Potter exclusive vacation package that is only a little bit amount of money more than a regular vacation package. And you get dining reservations. You get the most amazing photos taken. You get a keepsake box. You, um, so like for me, like the dining reservations are, are key to me because you are avoiding, you know, waiting in line for things. Um, but that Harry Potter exclusive vacation package is fantastic. Yeah, I was thinking about the same thing because not only do you get, like you said, dining reservations and stuff, and if, if you do purchase this Harry Potter package, you do get that um, exclusive dining reservation is just for people that are part of that package. So that's a special feature that you can't get otherwise. Yeah, and I think the you know, I've had um, clients who did the Harry Potter package. They sent me the pictures that they took at Shutter Buttons, and they are phenomenal. Amazing. professional. Yeah, they're absolutely amazing. Yes. We're so worth it. So I think that is something that the Harry Potter experience is something for Harry Potter lovers that I would say 100% yes to. Absolutely. I've had clients who are big Harry Potter fans to do that. And it was some of, matter of fact, they did canvases and put them in their room. Um, 
That's yeah, fantastic. Like, yes. Wow. Yes. That's so cool. Yeah. That's a great idea. I've, I've seen the pictures after the session, but that's a really good idea to transfer them over to a canvas and keep the memory alive in your room. And the pictures are like the, they're like they are in the movie too. So like where the pictures move in the movie, that's the kind of picture that you get out of this experience. So it's like, you're really brought right into the movie. And it's so unique. I mean, that's something that you're only going to find here, you know, and, and I would highly suggest doing that as well. Um, also, isn't this the package that comes with the cute, like little, um, luggage tags? Yes. 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 That's another win. (laughs) Um, so that would be something else that also comes with it, but that was a great question. Thank you, Christine. Good Um, question. What about you, Stacey? Do you have one? I do. Kelly asked what, um, we're going to Disney now. This is, um, switching parks, but she said, which of the four parks doesn't need a full day? Um, and you know, of course, most people said they all need a full day. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because, you know, you can spend a full day at every single park at Disney. But if you guys had to pick one park that you could cut down possibly, which one would you choose? So I think this is a really hard question to answer depend because it's very dependent upon your traveling party. So a lot of people right now that have younger kids would probably say Epcot, um, just because Epcot's under a lot of construction right now. So a lot of the rides... Um, in future world are down. Uh, the world showcase is very much up and, and running, but um, a lot of people like to think of world showcase as more adult focused. Of course, it's very dependent on your family and what they enjoy. I could spend 30 days in a row in Epcot and not get sick of it. So very dependent upon that um, and what your, your family's interested in. I agree with you because our upcoming trip, I planned Epcot kind of a half day experience because I'm traveling with little ones. But if I was going, say with my husband on a trip, we could spend all day there tasting around the world. There's so many different things to do. So it would be very specific to your party. Yes. I, we used to even before, of course, um, Animal Kingdom had the night show and so forth. Animal Kingdom used to be our half-day park. You could usually be done by 2 or 3 o'clock at Animal Kingdom and head over to maybe Disney Springs or, you know, hop to another park. Um, I don't know that that's the case any longer. Uh, matter of fact, our teenage boys, we usually end up spending two days at Animal Kingdom um, because they love it there. But that would be the other part that I would say some people would say could possibly be a half-day park. But um, yeah, no, Stacey, you make a great point with the park hopping because that's one thing, and especially when it comes to places like Epcot where there's so much food and drink. And obviously, one can only fit so much food and drink inside them, their body at one time. So I love to park hop to Epcot. Uh, you know, we'll do the Magic Kingdom or we'll do Hollywood Studios or Animal Kingdom during the day. And while all of those places could be full day parks, we like to do some activities at other parks in the morning. And then we'd love to go back to Epcot at night for dinner and drink. See, I'm a little different from y'all. Like mine are, mine are small. So a lot of the um, activities at Hollywood Studios, my kids are not big enough for. So to me, even now, Hollywood Studios will be a half day park for me. Um, and unlike other people, my kids actually like Epcot. They like all the different shows that they have within it um, and kind of just going through each little country. So for for them, that's something that they enjoy. And um, Hollywood is more like we could show up at noon and still be there all day to be able to watch night shows, which is what they really enjoy. 
Megan, do you have a question that a listener asked? So I do have a question that someone in our group posted. Um, so Brittany had asked into our Disney group, uh, first time going with a child, he will be one and a half years old when we go. Can we take him on any rides? Yes, My yes, answer yes. To that is absolutely <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. So uh, I would say probably, um, you know, 60, 70% of the rides you can you bring a child on without a height requirement. Um, Disney is very, very family friendly when it comes to their rides. Um, they, that's kind of the point in Disney. And that was Walt's vision, I guess, for these parks is a place that families can enjoy together. Um, so the parks are very focused on making sure that there are a lot of activities that all generations of the family are going to enjoy. And just a side note, just in case they are not able to enjoy, Disney has a great writer swap program too. So that may be another option, but we took my, my youngest when she was six months old and she had a, a great time. She doesn't remember it, but we remember it. So um, take your one-year-old. Yes, absolutely. I tell people all the time, they'll say, well, my child's too young for Disney if they're, you know, thinking about a two-year-old or a one-year-old. And I, I let people know, you know, you do Disney then not for them, but for the memories you remember and the smiles you remember. And you make those memories for you because that's when those times are special. And those are absolutely. the best memories. Mm -hmm. So we are going to head back to Universal with our next question. Um, Tam asked, I have two questions. If you can check one is what's people's thoughts on the GoPro or a phone for the parks, especially since I've heard Universal is almost a no-go on the rides. And second, if you had to choose one water park, which one would be more family-friendly? Thanks. So we can start with the second question. There is one water park, and that is Volcano Bay, which is awesome. So definitely go to Volcano Bay. Um, as far as the GoPro, we did look this up. You can take them in, but it's more of like a selfie stick that you can't take in. Um, last time I was able to take in a stabilizer and I didn't take them on any of the rides, but I did walk through the parks with them. Um, it, it definitely helps um, that you're holding your phone and, you know, it's not, the video isn't as shaky, but you can definitely take them into the parks with you. And when it comes to rides at Universal 2, I don't know if that's something that you're looking for to film rides. Um, so a lot of the rides at Universal, if it's a more of a thrill ride, they're going to make you lock your belongings up in a locker before you go onto the ride. They're free for, I think it's like an hour use, maybe two hours, um, that you could keep your stuff in there while you go ride the ride so you don't, nobody has to hold it or anything. And it's for the safety of all of the guests. Um, I know especially with some rides like with Ride Rocket, they make you go through a pole detector so they're not worried about loose change falling out of people's pockets on a roller coaster and things like that. Um, so you would not be able to bring a GoPro on rides like that, but rides where you are allowed to bring belongings on, absolutely. Okay, Stacy, do you have another question? I do. Okay, so um, I've got two more, actually. Um, Ashley asks, what are the best fast passes for adults, and what rides should I avoid if I get motion sickness? So, um, I mean, you know, depending on the park, of course, but I would say, um, what do you guys think about Flight of Passage with motion sickness? Usually, that's a definite fast pass for an adult, but how do you feel like it, you know, she said she couldn't ride Mission Space. Well, I think Mission Space is definitely more intense than Flight mm -hmm. of Passage. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I'm prone to motion sickness. I get vertigo 
and flight of passage on a scale of one to 10 gives me like a three of vertigo. So I don't know. That's a, that would be a tough one, but I know a lot of, I've had a client who has extreme vertigo. He uh, went to universal and rode Harry Potter and the forbidden journey. And he could not get it together after that for 48 hours. So he does take Dramamine before the rides and he says that completely helps. So I would say maybe have a little something extra in your pocket to help if you really want to ride that ride. But I think it's definitely worth trying. I think it would be, like you said, kind of on the lower end of motion sickness. Mm -hmm. um, and it's definitely a fast pass that I think adults would enjoy. I think flight of passage is different in like you can, like for me, like you could just close your eyes. You know, I don't, it's not, I don't think there's so much motion. Um, it's so for me, it's just closing my eyes, but, um, you know, maybe if you really, I would totally try it and I would bring something like Benadryl or Dramamine if you need it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other fast passes I think of are like, um, I think of rock and roller coaster and millennium Falcon at Hollywood studios. And then at magic kingdom, I think of all the mountains. Um, mm -hmm. that's kind of my first go-to there. Um, what do you guys think about those choices? Yeah, I like I'm all right those. With you there. Yeah. I think when it comes to like the motion sickness part of your question, it really depends on like knowing yourself. So I have like a lot of family members that are um, they get motion sickness on simulators, but mm -hmm. they they still love roller coasters and things like that. So it really kind of just depends on how you react to the motion sickness. So like if that's your thing, if you know simulators are a no-go, then I would avoid probably flight of passage or um, Millennium Falcon, even though I would say though, like Flight of Passage is probably lighter on the simulator side as far as the motion is concerned. There's not, it's not as jerky, but if it's, you know, roller coasters and obviously, you know, anything that's got a track like that, I wouldn't, I would take out the, the mountains. I would take out rock and roller coasters. So it really just kind of depends on how you react to different types of motion. You're completely correct because for me, it's simulators only. Like I could go on upside down roller coasters all day long, but it's because I have the fresh air in my face. It's the, mm -hmm. the video for me. So for me, I was not going to miss an opportunity to do the Millennium Falcon when we went to Galaxy's Edge, but I knew I could not be the pilot because you are, if you're the pilot, you're completely surrounded by the screens where if you're the engineer or the gunner, mm -hmm. you can turn to the side and press your buttons and take your eyes off of the simulation. Um, and that's how I made it through Millennium Falcon. And I did not feel any type of vertigo after that. But it's just, so I, I would say like something like Millennium Falcon, don't be a pilot if you have motion sickness. Stick to the part of the ride where you could be in the back of the ship and turn your head and not see a screen. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, um, even just like being in the engineer portion, you're just like farther away from the screen in general. So I feel like uh -huh. that probably helps a little bit. And I always turn away for the light speed. The light speed moment always gets yeah. me every time. So I yeah. always turn away for that. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And like comparing to mission space. So like I don't get motion sickness on rides. I have never met a ride in my life that I can't tackle besides mission space that is the one that I don't right. do so like if that's your your baseline you should be pretty much fine with anything else at Disney just it really just kind of depends on how you are yeah that's a very good point because mm -hmm. to me that is the worst one of all the rides what would you do at Epcot would you fast pass test track yeah that's my yes. go-to test track mm -hmm. I don't think it's really that bad on motion either it's like driving in a car mm -hmm. yes I yeah 
That I don't usually choose. Right. Yeah. I usually fast pass test track and um, rope drop soaring is how I usually go about that. But adults would like both of those. So either one of those would be a good choice. But soaring is a screen. So if motion sickness is an issue, that one may be one you need to avoid. That was a great question as well. Yeah, it really was. Um, we also have, so we are heading back to Universal again. Um, we have April that asked, are there any not-to-be-missed things at the hotels? Staying at Royal Pacific, but thinking of adding three days at one of the other hotels on site. Um, I found this one to be a little challenging because each one of the Universal resorts is so different. And there's different things I like about each one. So if you want to downscale a little bit from, from Royal Pacific, I would say go to Cabana Bay. But if you want to take it up a notch, I would say go to Portofino. They both have so much, so many different things to offer, and they're both so unique. Cabana Bay, you have, like, the different, like, the 50s theme. And, you know, to me, that's something that I really, really enjoyed when we were there. And I would think that I would make sure. Go ahead, Stacey. Oh, no, you go ahead. Say, go ahead. I was just going to say, the one thing that I would make sure that I would do is that if you're – planning, uh, you know, when you're picking your resort, whatever the case may be, I would make sure that I planned on a pool day at any of the resort, no matter where you end up staying. All the universal pools are amazing. And one thing too, that universal does allow that's different than Disney is you are allowed to pool hop. So you can check out some of the other pools at the different resorts and everything is so close that it's pretty easy to get from resort to resort. One thing I do want to add though is when you're thinking about that is that the Universal's newest resorts, Surfside and Dockside, you cannot pull hop to. So just something to keep in mind. But all of the other ones, Cabana Bay, Royal Pacific, um, the pool at Sapphire Falls is amazing. It is huge. Um, so you can check out all of those on your trip. Well, and something else like I like about them is like when you talk about how you can go to each pool, there's also like a lot of different restaurants within within Universal that are unique. And because each hotel is different, what you're going to get as far as um, food will also be different. Yeah, so you're going to get a lot of, like, themed food. So I know uh, Portofino Bay Resort is themed, you know, very Mediterranean, like you're in Italy. And so you're going to have a lot of Italian food there. Um, Royal Pacific is South Pacific Polynesian-type feel. Um, So you can access a lot of sushi and that kind of cuisine there. Um, so that's like one thing that's great is that you get to off, they offer cuisine that's like themed to that resort. Okay. So this question is from Presley and she said that she needs ideas for dinner inside Magic Kingdom. So girls, what do you have? What's your favorite? Ooh, so much to choose from. There is, are we talking table service or are we talking counter service? She was looking more table service. So I think it really depends again on your, your family. Like if you're dying, you're more adventurous eaters. So I personally loved um, Skipper's Canteen when I ate there last summer, Uh, but the menu is definitely very adventurous. So you have to be willing to, you know, try different cuisines. I don't know if you have picky eater kids, it may not be the best option, but if you're more like the foodie adult types that I would definitely recommend Skipper's Canteen. So let's talk Tony's. You know, Tony's has been one of those restaurants that, you know, people have gone back and forth and it got bad reviews and then it changed management. Um, Where do you stand on Tony's? I have not eaten there. Um, I 
like you said, I haven't heard the best reviews on it, so I don't necessarily recommend it based on other people's opinions. But I, you know, if Olive Garden style Italian food is your thing, I would definitely say give it a go. You're going to say no on that one. (laughs) As a true Italian, I'm going to say no for the Italian food on that one. (laughs) Well, we actually dined there and we had a positive experience. So um, ours was not bad. But what I do like about that option is if you do the, um, the reserve parade viewing with the Tony's lunch. Um, that to me, you, you know, that's a good option because you're, you're getting lunch and then you're also getting a spot to see the parade but where you're not having to go and stand somewhere for an hour before the parade starts. Um, you have a reserved spot if you do that festival of uh, fantasy parade dining option. That's a good idea. And I don't know if you guys travel similar to me, but I like to have one table service meal planned per trip so that I have at least one meal where we can really sit down and kind of, you know, take a load off and just relax. And that's usually either lunch or dinner. So, but I, I think too, if we, if you do a lunch, did a quick service dinner is so easy and there's so many options at magic mm-hmm. kingdom that are delicious and wonderful but i personally like one table service a day what do you guys think yeah i'm the same way we usually do the dining plan at least for disney and we usually do the one table service meal per day because it's like our time to sit together as a family and unwind and just sit in air conditioning for a while, enjoy a good meal, rest your feet. Mm-hmm. So we do a couple. We do a couple of them um, on our trips. Like we don't do one every night just because my, my kids are not that age yet where they can sit every day at a table. Um, but like I would pick like what I like is we do Crystal Palace, but it's really to get the characters out of the way, you know? So that would be a place that I would pick if that's something that you're looking into. And going back to to Stacy's point about the parade viewing for Tony's, um, the plaza, if you can get a reservation at the plaza sometime around, I would say like the eight o'clock ish range, that's the or like that's a great option to see fireworks from where you're dining to. That's a great point too. Yeah. Really, when it comes to Magic Kingdom, a lot of times we just do quick service. Um, that's the park that we have so much we really want to fit in um, that we like to try to get that all in. Of course, I have teenage boys, so that kind of changes that a little bit, but they want to ride and they want to go. And so a lot of times Magic Kingdom is the park that we end up doing quick service and we don't do a table service because there's so many good quick service options. Yeah, we usually, when it comes to table service, a lot of times we leave the Magic Kingdom and we go to one of the monorail resorts because they have even better options than mine. Absolutely. When it comes to sit down meals. Mm -hmm. I agree. That's what we've done as well. I'm kind of like you, Stacey. We do more quick service in Magic Kingdom than we do anywhere else. Right. So I kind of want to bounce off your question because our next question comes from Courtney. And she asked, do you do dining reservations 180 days before your Disney trip? So to go off that, that would be typically the best, um, the best strategy to do is if you can make your reservations at the 180 days plus 10, if you're staying off site, if not, it's 180 days exactly. Um, 
part of your trip, you actually get some of the best availability for these hard to get reservations that we're kind of talking about. Yes, absolutely. I have um, a client who was traveling in October and they had absolutely must do dining reservations. And I said, we have to be ready to roll at the 180 day mark. They wanted really hard to get reservations. They also wanted Victoria and Albert's, which is a wonderful dining experience, but it's very hard to get. And them staying on site, I was able to book all of their dining at the 180 day mark. And we were able to get them everything they wanted. But as you could see, like as time goes on, as it progresses, as you know, if you book offsite clients, that dining books up immediately. And you are, some people do cancel dining reservations, but you have to be really on top of it, constantly checking it. So booking at that 180 day mark really helps you out a lot. Yeah. And I'd say if you're flexible in what your dining options are, it's, it's not that you're not going to find a reservation at, you know, after that 180 day mark, you know, there's still going to be meals available. It's just a matter of if you have those, I need to eat here on this day, you want to be ready to go. Or my family can't eat past seven o'clock at night or before five o'clock in the, in the evening, you want to be ready to go to get those good times. If you know, things like that, if you have a larger party, that's especially important that you're, you know, it's going to be harder to make reservations for eight people versus two people. Yeah. And actually to add on to that too, I noticed this my last round of reservations, you know, I, as we started going into it, they had a lot of requests, but I kind of was telling them, you know, once you start then adding your fast passes into this and everything, your schedule is going to get packed. So don't mm-hmm. think you have to make three reservations per day because really once you start mapping out and planning your strategy, you don't want to be bombarded with, oh, well, we made three reservations, so we have to make sure we're here, here, and here. You're going to want you know some time to actually enjoy it and not be stuck on a schedule. Yeah, and you're going to be eating a lot of food at each one of those meals, too. So I don't know that I would necessarily recommend three <laughs> reservations in a day. But, yeah, exactly like you said, it'll, that'll be very time-consuming if someone tried to do that. So we also wanted to go over a few of our commonly asked questions. Um, we can start with Jacqueline. Did you have a couple that you come across through a lot of your clients or just people asking around to see what your opinion is? I do. Uh, I have a lot of frequently asked questions about Disneyland. Uh, probably the first is what is my top favorite on-site resort and what are my favorite off-site resorts to stay in? So we can start with that. Um, for me and my family, we've stayed at all of the Disney on-site resorts and we constantly find ourselves going back to the Disneyland hotel every time. I think it has this nostalgia about it that for us, we just feel like right when you walk in, you're at Disney and the pool is absolutely amazing. The water slides are perfect. You have Trader Sam's there as well. And the rooms with the magical headboards that light up, it just feels like old school Disney. And for me, growing up in Orange County, I just get that sense of, I feel like a child when I check into there. The Grand Californian would probably be our second choice. Um, 
But what we love about staying on site is getting into the parks an hour early. It really sets our day off without any stress. We get on our favorite rides right away. And then the rest of the day, we kind of take a leisurely day. And for offsite, I've recently been kind of branching out and starting to try new good neighbor resort. And we we love Spring Hill uh, Suites by Marriott, which is walking distance from Disney. The kids get a bunk bed section with the TV completely separate from the parents and a free breakfast. We love that one. We loved Hyatt House. You get a kitchen. And so that's good for extended stays. I personally love Anaheim Marriott as well. Uh, it's not big rooms, but it's really nice hotel. And the last one, we I just tried the um, Hilton Tapestry Anaheim Park Hotel, and that one blew me away. Free breakfast, huge rooms. So there's so many different options to choose from, which I love. But I would say number one Disneyland on-site resort for us would be the Disneyland Hotel. So I have not had the opportunity to stay at any Disneyland on-site hotels yet. But come September, hopefully the world complies. I intend (laughs) on staying at all three. Um, So right now I have rooms booked at Paradise Pier and at the Grand Californian. And I have one night at the end of my stay that I have not booked a room for yet, but my intention is to check out the Disneyland Resort then. So I hit the trifecta all in one trip. That sounds like an amazing time. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I would agree. And so I think the Grand Californian, we love for the proximity to the parks. And the, it's nice. We always get the downtown Disney room, which so you can watch the fireworks from your balcony. Um, it's definitely a crafts arts craftsman error type of hotel so you don't really get too much disney um but the location is fantastic and you know all three hotels are wonderful i you know we if we can go we prefer to stay at on-site hotels but there really are a lot of great off-site options these days that have really stepped up their game and they've been renovating like crazy so we'll see what happens in the next couple of years I could agree more. Like we've stayed at the Disneyland Resort um, Hotel or Disneyland Hotel, and um, I've also stayed offsite at La Quinta. But when you talk about offsite, the proximity of like you can walk to the parks is, I think, what people don't understand, especially when you've only been to Disney World, where obviously everything is so far apart from each other. So if you don't have the means to pay for a Disneyland hotel, those those hotels that line Disneyland are great options and they're so affordable as well. Yes. I yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking is that, you know, I'm an East coaster. So Disney world is more my area of expertise, but uh, when it comes to Disneyland, I, you know, I wouldn't stay offsite at Disney world. I have just become so accustomed to staying on site. So many benefits to staying on site at Disney world. Um, but Disneyland is a kind of a different story. You're not really missing out on, all the magic you're right there even staying off-site at a good neighborhood hotel for disneyland i agree and we we just stayed when we were staying at the spring hill uh, a couple months ago they have rooftop viewing of the fireworks so you're really that close that you could walk there but also if you decide to leave and go to your hotel for that night you're not still not going to miss all the disney magic you could go to the rooftop and watch the fireworks and enjoy yourself and they really do a good job of trying to bring that Disney feel into the offsite hotels. And so 
I think the other most frequently asked question for me is why do I need to upgrade my ticket to a park hopper or add max pass to a ticket? And I think for avid Walt Disney World travelers, park hopping sometimes does seem a little daunting because the parks are not in close proximity to each other. You have to take a bus, a monorail, or a boat to get to them, or a taxi or minivan. But for California, while both parks are so close to each other, it's they're 120 feet apart. So as a family, even with young kids, we bounce back and forth the parks all day long. And why we do that is because we add max pass to our ticket. So we're constantly updating our fast passes to get onto the rides. And it's not a big deal for us to go ride a ride in Radiator Springs and then pop over to Disneyland for Thunder, Big Thunder Mountain. So I think people think park hopping is like, oh my gosh, it's going to be really hard in a long day and we're going to miss time, travel time. You really aren't. It's super fast. And MaxPass has been a game changer, a lifesaver. I would love if Walt Disney World changed over to MaxPass system. We, on a regular day, will go we probably get on close to 21, 22 rides and are back at the hotel by six o'clock for dinner. So, and we also get our wonderful photos throughout the, the day. So for me, a hundred percent all the time, park hop plus max pass is the way to go to really get everything out of your vacation. I, I can't even go to Disney world without park hopping. I just think it's so essential just to be able to not have to limit your day to one park let alone Disneyland where it's so much easier to do. I think that's essential. I, I can't imagine doing without it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think well, it's, people kind think... Of, it, it's kind of the same premise with universal and the park to park ticket. You know, the parks are so close together that exactly you, you mm-hmm. go back and forth and it's no big deal. And I, Disneyland is the same way. So uh, a hopper there is definitely different than say, the hopper at Disney world, even though, you know, I'd still recommend a hopper at Disney world, but, um, going to Disneyland with the proximity, that just is everything. And I think too, it's so easy for us as a family. We have one child interested in certain rides because of their age. And it's so easy to just split up. And my husband will take our older kid and be like, Oh, star tours just opened up. Let's head over there. And I keep my other kid in, in, uh, California Adventure, and it's literally we don't see each other for maybe 40 minutes and we're back together. It is so easy to park off. It is like last time that we were there, we went to California Adventure. We stayed till like park closing, and um, we hadn't, we left earlier for some reason the night before. We weren't able to see Fantasmic. So mm-hmm. we ran from one park over to the other and we meet it, you know, with lots of time to spare. So it's, it's so convenient to go from one to the other, especially like if you want to see some of the nighttime entertainment as well. Yes, I agree. Oh, and to also talk about the pictures, I love that the pictures are included. Um, that's something that if you're going to pay for like their photo pass anyways, you know, that's max pass includes it. Um, I, I definitely think is a perk. I agree. And I think too, people, you know, when you're paying for photo pass, um, for Walt Disney World, you are memory maker. You are paying $179 for that. For, and max pass is $15 a day per person. But you really, you know, 
we go for, you know, three, four days that adds up. We get so many pictures and I find there's a lot more photo opportunities at Disneyland and Disney's California Adventure Park than I did at Walt Disney World. Uh, Their photographers are everywhere. And so it's so worth it to have those memories and especially traveling with grandparents and stuff to be able to share all of that with everyone is fantastic. Well, thank you all ladies for coming on and, and answering some questions for some of our listeners and also coming up with some of our frequently asked questions. Um, I wanted to thank you for tuning in today as well. Please subscribe to our podcast. Be one of the first to know when a new episode has been released. If you'd like to get in contact with any of our agents and plan your next vacation, please contact us at marvelousmousetravels.com. I'll provide a link in our show notes below. We hope you have a marvelous week and we will talk to you soon.